1: welcome back to the bear report podcast the first podcast of the 2017 offseason post super bowl edition my name is jeremy stoltz publisher of bear report here today with aaron lemming bears insider aaron how's the offseason been so far
2: oh it's been uh surprisingly kind of uh not having down and struggle through bears games and just kind of getting back and i, I wouldn't really say it was good football because uh, i think i think for the most part the playoffs were Pretty one-sided, but uh, it was it was definitely nice to not have to sit you know sit down week in and week out and have to have to struggle through Bears games. So I'm, I'm definitely glad the uh, Super Bowl is over, and it's, the exciting part for the Bears Bears fans is the off season, and it has been that way for a while. And I think this is going to be a really exciting one. So I uh, I think we're going to be in for a good few months.
1: Yeah, that's interesting that you say that because I've heard a lot of uh, people Bear, Bears fans, diehard Bears fans, talk about how. Uh, you know, this is the one season where they just almost didn't watch any football, and uh, you know, like they had watched every game, every second, every minute of football for the past decade or so or longer. And this is the one year where they just couldn't get into it, and they've actually been looking forward to the off season more than the regular season. It's really sad. It's a sad state to be in. But you are correct, and we're heading into that uh, meaty portion. Of the off season here, the uh, uh, you know, like I said, the Super Bowl was yesterday. Uh, New England Patriots, uh, the, uh, another championship, and uh, we're, we're we're about a month away from the uh, the scouting combine. So I mean, th- things are going to start r- uh, ramping up here really quickly, and uh, right after that, free agency is going to start, and then we're going to hit hit right into it. So uh, let's let's talk about this Super Bowl. Uh, New England Patriots uh, pulled off, I believe, was the the greatest comeback ever. In uh, Super Bowl history, I believe they were down 20, uh, 28 to three at at a certain point. Down twenty-one to nothing, I know, and then uh, came roaring back. I think scored thirty-one unanswered points uh, to finish out the game, and uh, really really took over in the fourth quarter. And Tom Brady could not be stopped in uh, in, in overtime. Uh, Falcons could not get a stop. In uh, late in that game, and, and that allowed uh, the Patriots to to come back. And, and you know, Bill, Bill Belichick now becomes the all time winningest uh, uh, Super Bowl coach in NFL history. He has five, I believe, uh, Super Bowl titles. No uh, no coach has as many as that, and you know, you really uh, no no uh, quarterback has as many as Tom Brady either. So you really look at them as kind of cementing them uh, th- their greatness. Uh, you know, at the top of the heap, uh, both with Brady as a, as a quarterback and 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 Belichick as a coach. Uh, what were your thoughts on the
2: game? Oh, it was, you know, it was one of those games, and I've seen a few people talk about how great the game was. And quite honestly, I mean, for the better part of three quarters, I mean, this is a blowout. Uh, but it was absolutely remarkable to see what the Patriots were able to do and come back. And uh, there was, as good as the Patriots' comeback was, I think there was also many errors on uh, on the Falcons' part. I mean, that's just something... I mean, when you have a 25-point lead with, I think it was two or three minutes left to go in the third quarter, and you blow that, I mean, there's obviously a lot of issues. And I think the one thing that really stuck out to me was towards the end of the game on the Falcons' last drive before the Patriots tied it up. I mean, they had a chance after the Julio Jones catch to where, and I've seen a few people mention this, and I don't agree with this, uh, but they had a chance where they could have ultimately taken three knees, kicked a field goal, make it an 11-point game. Obviously, nobody in their right mind is going to do that in that kind of situation, but I think... When you go back and you look at the play calling and, I mean, especially with how deadly their running attack was, the rushing attack in the, in the first quarter, I mean, or in the first half, I mean, you look at uh, Devontae Freeman went nuts. I mean, he, he looked great. And for them to get away from that, which has been their bread and butter all year, uh, you know, they had that two-headed monster with Freeman and Coleman, and to get away from that, and it, at least to me it seemed pretty obvious that, Matt Ryan definitely had some had some uh, jitters there, and I think to get away from your strongest the strongest point of a very strong offense and to completely abandon the run, I think there was five runs in the second half as a whole, and especially in that position where you basically you kick a field goal, you go up eleven points, and <clears throat> at that point the Patriots, regardless of what they're going to do, they're probably not going to win the game because they're not going to get two possessions out of it. So I think you know that was a complete failure, and I think. Kind of looking looking at some of the stuff the bears have done, I think that's kind of a kind of something there too, but i mean we we witnessed history last night I mean there's really that's the positive way of looking at it i mean to to come back from twenty five points down like that um, was huge in its own, but then obviously to go to overtime that's the first overtime game in Super Bowl history I mean that's pretty impressive. Uh, what were your thoughts well i I think you
1: hit on something there in terms of when like you said, the, the, the Falcons were able to run the football. I think uh, Devontae Freeman was averaging near 7 yards per carry, uh, and the Falcons as a team averaged over 5 yards per carry. They were able to do what they wanted to on the ground when they chose to, and that, in two crucial moments, I thought, is when they, they failed to commit to the run, and that really hurt them. Uh, the first one came on, on the third and one at, from the Atlanta own 36, where Matt Ryan was sacked, and he fumbled, and that allowed New England... Uh, to get the ball in Falcons territory, they scored four four plays later, five plays later, uh, to go, and that that brought it within one score. Now you're third and one right there. You had just run Tevin, uh, uh, you run Coleman, the running back twice, uh, and he you, you had gotten eight yards the first time, one yard the next time. You you are in a position where you can run the football there. You don't even need to drop Matt Ryan back, and put him in a situation where he's going to take that sack and, and 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 turn the ball over. You run. You have your power running back. Coleman is a power back. Even if you give it to Freeman, he stood in short yard situations as well. So you put yourself at unnecessary risk there, and it, and it cost you. Second time is, like you mentioned, they could have taken three knees after that amazing catch by Julio Jones, and they would have been fine. I mean, that would have, that would have been well in Bryant's range, and they would have been able to, to seal the game right there. All you needed was three points. There was no way the, the Patriots were, were going to have enough time to come back and, and, and score twice. At that point in the game, there was uh, right when they, right after that catch, when he, uh, the 27-yard catch, there was 4:47 left in the game, so there wasn't enough time for the Patriots to score twice. And you know, after the catch, they ran Freeman for minus one yard, and then they they dropped uh, Matt Ryan back again. I don't understand that. I mean, you, you you failed to commit to the run, and you got and Matt Ryan took a sack. Now, like you said, there were some jitters there. Matt Ryan should have not turned the ball over. Uh, in that first sack and he and he should not have taken that sack the second time at all on that second and that second and eleven that pushed them out of field goal range so those are two two crucial situations where not only did they fail to commit to the run game but they all but matt ryan got, uh you know kind of got the jitters as you mentioned and 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 really uh you know trying to collapse in the game's biggest moments and i think we saw a lot of that with the bears this year i mean that has to sound familiar to, to bears fans. Uh, with an offensive coordinator who can move the ball between the twenties, but in the James crew, the big moments, you know, particularly in the red zone and as they're approaching uh, the, that scoring territory, is when they when they fail to, to to commit to the run game. Dow Loggins did that all year for the Bears. You know, the Bears were able to move the ball very well, uh, and then when they we get down into the, inside the twenty, everything went to hell. So, and I, we we all know about that, and we saw it in in that game with the Falcons. And I think if they commit to the run in those two situations. I mean, they had done it throughout the game, they had, they had run the ball well, but when the game was on the line, they didn't do it, and that ended up costing them. One other thing I want to mention that uh, I think played a big part in the the ability for the Patriots to come back late in the game was the pass rush died for the Falcons late in that game, and, the, and after that turnover by uh, uh, Matt Ryan after the fumble, they really didn't get uh, any pressure on Tom Brady after that, and he ended up uh, coming down and scoring, the, uh, scoring uh, touchdowns on his, and the following three drives. So I, I think... If, again, if, you, if you're not able to come up with those big-time big pass rush plays, you know, if you're not able to get to the quarterback in those uh, big-time situations, you're not going to win football games, and I think that's what we saw. The Patriots were the complete opposite. They had the, uh, the the poise to stay in that football game, and they made the plays when they had to. And when you're not able to do that, we saw the Bears do it all year. It was just kind of like in a, in a little capsule with the Super Bowl and kind of what we saw with the Bears all season. So uh, I think... It, it's a learning uh, experience for the Falcons and it should be a learning experience, hopefully, for Dow Loggins and, and maybe you know, something that the Bears can can takes take out of the Super Bowl and build on going forward.
2: I think the one the one thing everybody should have probably taken out of that game as an NFL fan is you can just never count Tom Brady out. And and maybe this would be a good segue into something else, but I think one of the things that stuck out to me in the playoffs as a whole, and I've talked about it quite a bit on Twitter, was quarterback. And obviously, you know, we saw what Aaron Rodgers did uh, with, quite frankly, not a very good team around him. Um, and he, he did, some, did some great things and got pretty close to the Super Bowl. But then you look at what Tom Brady did. You see the difference between a one-year MVP like Matt Ryan or a one-year MVP like Cam Newton. Uh, versus a seasoned veteran who's been doing this for a while that has been consistently at the top of his game. And it's just, it's absolutely amazing to see some of these guys just take over games, like watching Aaron Rodgers during the playoffs and some of the throws he's able to make. And and Tom Brady doesn't have that same ability, and that's what's almost mind-blowing to me is he's, he's not nearly as physically gifted as somebody like a Rodgers or even really a Matt Ryan for, you know, but at the same time you have, somebody who just knows how to win games and it was funny because i watched colin coward uh tweet something out it was right around halftime basically saying something uh i think it was jimmy maybe hold off on trading jimmy garoppolo because it doesn't look like tom brady's the same quarterback and as soon as he says that then here comes the comeback and it's like you just can never count the guy out. he's almost 40 years old and you know, like you mentioned at the at the beginning of this, all I mean, this is the fifth time that they've won a Super Bowl between him, you know him and him and Bill Belichick. I mean, this is absolutely incredible, and it's easy to live in the moment as sports fans, and especially in this day and age with technology and just in general. But I think you know this is something to really appreciate. I know a lot of people don't like the Patriots uh, and one another, but I mean, this has really been a very impressive run by a very dominant team over what, about a 15-year period, even longer than that. And and I think that in its own is as irritating as it can get watching the same team win the Super Bowl two out of three years. Uh, I, I just think it's very impressive what was able to go on. And, you know, on the other side of the coin, like we talked about with the Falcons, just uh, there was a lot of missteps. And, you know, who knows? It was really, this is kind of a first-time thing for them. But I think this is something that each team can kind of learn off of. I mean, this is something that we've seen in both Patriots games to where they abandon the run at the wrong time and it ends up coming back and biting them. And I think as, as a Bears fan, that should probably give you hope knowing that at least, you know, the Bears have the running back. They have a good running back in Jordan Howard and that should be a featured part of their game moving forward. But as far as Dow Loggins go, I mean, that's something that he's really going to have to work towards. And it's like even if they're a playoff team next year, you you have to wonder if his – I guess is uh, yeah, just really his tendencies. you got to wonder if his tendency is going to come back, and why is this such a trend lately? Is it because it's a pass-now league or whatever it is? But it was definitely an interesting game all the way around. I'm sure we could talk about this for hours, but I'm sure most people will probably rather uh, listen to some more Bears talk. But, you know, those are those are my overall takes.
1: Well, uh, you, know, you uh, there is some Bears talk to be had out of this because you mentioned Tom Brady's age, 39. I mean, yes, he looked great in the second half. You never count Tom Brady out. But at a certain point... You know, a player's body begins to break down, and I think we've seen it in the past. You know, you know you when, especially at quarterback, you hit that forty mark, which most players at any other position never get to forty. You know, quarterback is really the only one that ever gets to that point. But uh, how much farther can they really count on Tom Brady? And I think that's the question that that that, uh, they're probably going to have to start asking themselves because you're right; he did not look great in the first half. I think he had a passer rating. I'm going to check it right now, but I think his passer rating was below uh, 70. Yeah, 66.8 passer rating in the first half had that horrible uh, interception that resulted in a touchdown for the Falcons. I mean, he just looked, he looked average at best uh, in that first half, and you have to wonder, is Tom, I mean, Tom Brady didn't look like that all season. I'm not, I'm not saying that he's, uh, you know, the, the end is imminent, but how much longer, how many more of those bad halves of Tom Brady are we going to see in the future? And 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 you, can you count on him for how many more years? Two years? Three years? Four? Five? I mean, how are, realistically, how long is Tom Brady going to be the future of the Patriots? And I think that's a question that they need to answer, and that's going to affect uh, the the future of Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, like you mentioned. And I think, like you said, that's a good segue. Let's talk about it. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, obviously a lot of, lot of rumors about him being on the market and the Patriots wanting to trade him. Uh, but, but I don't know how last day, how much the game last night is going to affect that. I think a lot of it's going to have to do with who's willing to give up the most. And I think the Patriots probably will probably feel good about Tom Brady enough for a few more years, where they can, uh, you know, move Garoppolo, get something in return, and and maybe uh, use one of the picks that they get in return to to, to find Tom Brady's long term replacement. I don't know, but uh, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna send it over to you. Let's talk about the rumor, and then we'll go from there.
2: Yeah, I think uh, I'm trying to be careful about how I say this because I don't want to come off negatively, but. I, I think with the Garoppolo interest, the reported Bears interest and how strong it is, I think considering who it's coming from, I think it needs to be taken just with a grain of salt. Not because I, I think less of Jason Lockett Ford, but looking at his track record with the Bears and only the Bears, it's not very good. So I, I would I guess what I'd say is I would be very cautious in thinking that this is something serious until we see more about it. Now, with that being said... Uh, Garoppolo is very interesting, and this is something – this has been the talk for, what, five, six days now. What – okay, he's got two starts in which he played five healthy quarters of football. Um, and he looked very good, but at the same time, Matt Castle looked pretty good too. Um, took him to the playoffs or maybe maybe they missed the playoffs. I can't even remember. I know they had a good record. Uh, but I guess the point I'm getting at here is when you have such a good team and it's such a well-coached team uh, like the Patriots – it seems like they're able to plug guys in, like Chris Hogan, for example, at receiver. You know, you plug a guy like that in, and he comes he, he comes in at big moments. And you, you just have guys like Deion Lewis and, and players like that. You seem to have role players. You don't really know if these guys are actually good or not. And I think that's my biggest worry with Garoppolo and seeing some of the seeing some of the rumored packages for him. It concerns me because the latest one I just saw and it was from a beat writer uh, for the Patriots, uh, James Christensen. Had said that his gut feeling was that the Patriots would get a 2017 second round, a 2017 fourth round, and then a 2018 first round. And to me, that is just that—that's a lot. I mean, that, that is a lot to give up for a guy that has started two games. Now, I think ultimately, what's going to end up happening with whoever, whatever team ends up wanting to go after him and makes a good offer for him. I think really what it's going to come down to is it's going to be a mixture of evaluation between the five quarters of football that he's played in the NFL over three years. And I think a lot of it's going to have to do with how they evaluated him in college. And I know a lot of people have viewed Garoppolo as one of those guys that really didn't know the playbook all that well. Uh, was going to take a lot of development and it was almost overdrafted uh, in the second round. So, I mean, you start weighing that and you start looking at, okay, you know, there's there's a lot of stigma going around, depending on who you talk to, about the, the draft class this year, and whether a guy like Deshaun Kaiser, Deshaun Watson, or Mitch Trubisky are those guys that you would want to take at the number three overall pick, or even in the you know the first half of the first round. So, it, it's it's going to be a very calculated risk for Ryan Pace. And the thing that turns me off about Garoppolo, outside of really him being an unknown entity, is the fact that, I mean, this is somebody that not only are you going to be giving Probably more than one pickup for. It. Let's just, because there's no way the Bears are going to trade the number three overall pick. I just don't see that as very realistic. So let's say they give up a second this year and a third next year that could maybe be turned into a second depending on, you know, escalators, playing time, whatever it may be. You're talking two different picks for a guy that you're going to have to turn around and re sign. And we've seen what quarterbacks are going for. Even unproven quarterbacks are going for $18, 19000000 million a year. So do you do you take a calculated risk like that or do you have somebody in the draft that you feel almost as confident or maybe as confident in um, and use that third overall pick? And that's something that's going to be very interesting. Now, the other point that I would say to that is that as much as Lock and Four made it sound like the Bears, and maybe they are, I I don't know, uh, but as much as the Bears are going to be going in on Jimmy Garoppolo, that's going to be their top priority of the offseason. The other thing that has to be weighed right now is the fact that the Bears have the third Pick in the draft, and they have the 36 overall pick, which would be the fourth in the second round. So, you have a team, the Cleveland Browns, that have the number one overall pick, which they're not trading. Uh, They have the number 12 overall pick, which they could trade. They have the first overall pick in the second round, and they have another pick in the second round. And you have a team like the San Francisco 49ers, who are also they have the second overall pick, and then they have the second overall pick in the in the second round. So you have. Two teams in front of them that both need quarterbacks that have also been rumored to be in on Garoppolo that have realistically more firepower, which would then lead me to another thing: is do you really, as a Bears fan or you know whatever it may be, do you really want to see them get into a bidding war with a team that has more? I mean, because Ryan Pace, I mean, he's already, I would say, I would say, through no fault of his own, but to a certain extent, I mean, he's the the decision that he makes at quarterback is going to define his whole entire. Uh, career in Chicago. I mean, for better or for worse. I mean, this is this is it for him. I mean, this this acquisition is something that is is going to define his career. You look at it, and I've seen a few people say, okay, well, you know, if you give up two picks for him and he doesn't work out in year one, then you just let him loose. But you can't you can't put that big of an investment into somebody and then just cut him loose like that. So, I mean, this is okay. Yeah, he's only going to have one year on the contract, but I would say that that's more negatively than anything. Because you have a guy that realistically you're going to at least want a franchise tag for a year if he has a bad year to see where he's at. But, I mean, you're talking about a much bigger investment to make on a quarterback that realistically has five more quarters in the NFL than any of these draft prospects do. And at least in my evaluation, which is still very early, I think the gamble would be better off being taken on somebody number three overall if they want to trade down a few picks, You know, if that's realistic, whatever it may be. But I I, I don't think the – the overall value of Garoppolo is going to outweigh you know the, the the slightly smaller risk involved. I don't I don't know. That's that's my take on it. how about you. Well I, I think if you if you're talking about
1: any quarterback that they're gonna draft in this year's draft, they're gonna have to overdraft for him. They're probably you know if they want one of those top guys, they're gonna have to hope that both Kaiser and, and Trubisky are are off don't come off the board before them. Like you mentioned both the teams ahead of them, they need quarterbacks. So, you hope that one of those two are still there, and then you're going to have to reach for, for guys that probably deserve to be drafted in the second round. So, I think in today's NFL, you know, we've talked a lot about the value of quarterbacks and how important that position is. And, and really, you're, if you want that franchise guy, you're going to have to overpay a little bit. And I think that's what we're seeing here with Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't think that the Patriots, you know, they're, they're doing it right. They're, they're going to make people pay for, for, uh, for Garoppolo, and, the, and, and somebody's going to. You know if they're gonna if they're gonna dangle him out there it's going to be somebody and yeah I, I don't like the idea of getting into a bidding war that's uh, counterproductive in a way but it depends on what you have to pay and I think there's a few scenarios that work in my mind and one would be let's say you do have to give up uh, a second rounder this year maybe second and a, and a fourth, uh, as, the, as, as that beat writer was talking about, and then maybe it's a conditional pick next year, or maybe a second rounder this year and a conditional pick next year based on playing time and, and uh, uh, you know certain ex- escalators, and that maybe that you only have to spend a second rounder next next season. Now, then you have, you have Ryan Pace, who's shown a willingness to to move around in the draft. Maybe he can work the same way that he did last year, work around, get out of that third pick, recoup whatever it took to get Jimmy Garoppolo. And still land a you know a, a top ten pick, you know, a, a, an elite player, and uh, you know, at, at a different position of need. Quarterback isn't their only position of need, and I think that's a scenario uh, when, you, when, you, or when you look at the scenario, that's something that you have to consider is the talent up up at the top of this draft, uh, particularly uh, in the pass rush department, I, or. or I think that that is is, is something that you could, they could really take advantage of. So if you don't have to worry about the quarterback position, if, you, if you've already got Garoppolo under wraps, then you can invest that third pick, or if you trade back a little bit, you can still get that quality elite player, probably a defensive player, and you have a quarterback that you can uh, uh, at least you feel good about. And and one thing that I, 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 has to be mentioned is that Garoppolo played at Eastern Illinois. I'm sure the Bears have seen plenty, plenty of Jimmy Garoppolo, and and, and have a really, really good idea. Of, uh, of what they would be getting in him. Not only that, they saw him up close uh, during the uh, joint practice last year, so they, they got another up-close look at Garoppolo. Personally, I, I got an up-close look at Garoppolo at the Senior Bowl in 2014, so I was impressed with him back then. I, I do think that you were right. I thought he was a little bit overdrafted. I think the hype on Garoppolo uh, kind of rose uh, after the Senior Bowl as that process developed into into the draft, and he maybe, probably didn't deserve to go as high as he did, but Uh, you know, again, like I mentioned, you have to, you have to reach for these good quarterbacks. Now, is he a good quarterback? I don't know. I mean, like you, like you said, five quarters of, of play, two, two career starts in three seasons in a system that has always uh, made quarterbacks look very good. You mentioned Matt Castle, uh, I don't know if he's the answer, but I don't know if any of these other quarterbacks in the draft are the answer either. I mean, I know that you you disagree with the notion that this is a weak quarterback draft, but a lot of people do feel that way. And I don't think you can say that any one of these guys in this year's class is a slam dunk. And while Garoppolo might might not be a slam dunk if you can work the right deal, and I think Pace has shown a willingness to to, to use all the different avenues that you can in, with trades and whatnot. If you can work that, and, and you know, and continue to work that, and 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 make the best of that, and so that you're not giving up as much, I would go for it. I I don't know. I mean, do you think that uh, that, that that Kaiser Trubisky have are are better options than Jimmy Garoppolo?
2: And just my personal take, yeah. In, yeah. I would I would say. I personally have Kaiser rated higher and but and that's that's kind of the thing though is like you know I stay here and I look at I, I watch full games on YouTube and that is it. I don't see these guys practice I don't see these guys do anything so I and that's something that I have to consistently remind myself is as is, is hot as a take as I can have and as strongly as I can possibly feel about a player I have nowhere near the resources guys these guys do and what I will say is regardless of what they end up doing at quarterback. Uh, I'm going to trust in the process because I, I truly believe in Ryan pace. And I think what he's done is a good job now to play a little bit of devil's advocate here. And I know you were just talking about how, you know, if let's say they, you know, trade if for Garoppolo gave up, let's just say two seconds, you know, one from this year, one from next year. Uh, now a team like, cause the bears are going to be picking third and you look at the, the trade value chart for that. And they 2,200 points. Granted, this isn't an exact science, but it's something somewhat good to go off of. So you have a ton of teams behind them that need quarterbacks and i think something that would make a lot of sense for them to do if they do trade out would be to fall right in that 6 to 9 range and uh, at six, would be the New York Jets. And obviously, they have a, a quarterback need as well. And let's just say one of them is there. So the difference between that is 600 points, which is the equivalent of a second round pick and a. I mean, you're recouping that second round pick right there. So you're going to have a first round pick, a second round pick, and you're going to have a third, fourth round pick. And, you know, Ryan Pace has shown a way to be able to maneuver with all this. And that's something that is worth keeping in mind. And something else that's worth keeping in mind is that. You know the. Let's just talk about. Let's just say that the Browns are offering the thirty third pick, and let's say the Bears are offering the thirty sixth pick, and you know maybe there's some other pick in there, but let's just say the the value is very similar. You know the the relationship that Ryan Pace has already already has with the Patriots, and I mean they've, he's dealt with them three different times, and I would say that obviously the, the Martellus-Bennett trade was more of a— you, you knew the Bears, at least on paper, were going to lose that trade. I mean, you, you trade him for a fourth-round pick, and you get, you know, you're get—you you letting go one of the best tight ends in the league, but it was something that needed to happen. Um, so, And then Jonathan Bostic really didn't work out, but then again, that pick also ended up being packaged back for Martellus-Bennett. So I guess what I'm saying here is that they do have some— uh, they already have— a, a rapport, they already have a relationship, so I think that could play into you know something. And it, man, it, it's gonna be it's gonna be very interesting. But the other the other thing that, and this is something that I was looking into today. I got really bored and started looking into it. And I personally expect the Bears to spend a pretty good amount of money this off season. And they did pretty well last year in terms of spending year's cash upwards of probably 77 78 million i mean they're gonna have a lot of money to spend now what i was looking at which i thought was very interesting is let's say you cut a guy like cutler and let's just say you draft a quarterback so instead of paying a guy 16 million dollars a year to be your quarterback you're going to be paying a guy probably six million dollars a year on average you know if you're looking at that third overall pick for the next four years and you would think that you know, with cutting some of the costs that they have and not having very high paid players that that would work in their favor, but actually looking at what they would do if you know if they made some big moves this year, let's just say they signed four guys the multi year deals uh anywhere from the twelve million dollar to you know the seven eight million dollar range, and you had let's just say three of those guys. And you make a few more cuts, and you you know you cut some dead weight. Uh, next year, I mean, they really don't have that many free agents, depending on you know if they sign Alshon Jeffrey or whatever they end up doing there. But they really don't have very many free agents next year that are going to be coming off the books that are going to really impact their cap space. So. What I noticed is, I mean, this is this is a big offseason for multiple reasons for Ryan Pace. Obviously, he's got a lot of gaps to field. John Fox is on the hot seat, and obviously, they've got to get their quarterback situation figured out. But if they're aggressive this offseason spending, then there's a very good chance that come next offseason, and obviously, we're just getting started with this one, but the next offseason, they may not have that much money to spend. So... If you And that's with a rookie quarterback and assuming that they re-sign Alshon Jeffrey. Now, if you start throwing in Jimmy Garoppolo in the mix, I mean, you go from a guy making $6 million a year in a rookie quarterback to probably in the 20s, and that's also going to affect things. So that's also something else that Ryan Pace is going to need to take into consideration is it may either affect this year's free agency class or it's really going to put them in a tough bind next year. Um, I mean, there's obviously guys that they can cut. Pat, the cap situation is always fluid, but – it, it really could – adding a guy like that and even franchise tagging him at $20 million, I mean that's really going to put them in a very interesting position. So he better be very confident if that's the case that they're going to be able to take care of the majority of their needs this year, at least in free agency, to where they're going to be relying on the draft the next few years.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point about uh, you know the, the amount of money that he could potentially cost the Bears and, and comparing that to what – like you said, what a rookie would cost you, which is substantially less – and if you it, you know if your scenario plays out and they they do end up with uh, you know far less money next season, then you know how are you going to be able to sign Garoppolo to that big old contract? So, I think another thing is to think about is is like you mentioned, uh, you, you're, there is no guarantee that you're going to get Garoppolo back. If you do have to franchise them, then you're dropping a huge chunk of change, uh, like in the twenty million dollar range. And it, it, you know there's no guarantee beyond that season that you're going to be able to keep him. Where at least with a, a, a rookie, you know you're going to have him for. Four years, you're probably going to have that conditional option that if he plays well, you'll you'll uh, you are, uh, you'll pick that up for that fifth season. Uh, and so you know that that gives you a lot more security, particularly if you pick the right guy. So I, I really comes down to the evaluation process here with the scouting department in, in uh, up at Hallis Hall. You know, both their 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 professional the pro starting department as well as the the collegiate starting department. How well are those guys going to work together and and, and be able to evaluate the the uh, uh, you know the value of one of these young guys one of these rookies and, and what they've seen out of Jimmy Garoppolo and then on top of it Pace has to has to think about all the all the things that you distrust you know the money the contracts uh, where he's going to be next season how that all is going to play into that and how everything changes uh when you when you make such a hardcore you know head first move for for a player like Jimmy Garoppolo I, I personally le- I I think it would be a good move that brings in a hometown guy uh, to, to to run the Bears and I think it would it, it could potentially bring some some people into the seats which uh, we uh, I saw firsthand this year that, that that was an issue for the Bears so uh, you know that that might get some excitement in the fan base get get that back because right now the fan base is just dead uh, more dead than I've ever seen it in in my time uh, living in and around Chicago so uh, you know it, it would get people going it would get people excited again. Uh, but I also think that would happen with a rookie quarterback. So w- w- however h- however, pace goes, this is, like you mentioned, a very critical decision for him and could ultimately decide how long he, he his career lasts in Chicago. Huge, huge, huge decision to make here uh, with Jimmy Garoppolo. And we'll know uh, probably pretty quickly uh, here within the next month or so The the the, the season's going to start on March 9th and then things are going to get ramping up. So I, I don't think that it's going to take very long, if, if that long, even to get to that point. Uh, if a drop low trade is going to happen, so uh, you know we'll keep our eyes and ears peeled for that. But let's talk about you know we're gonna, we're moving into uh, free agency here on March 9th, Like I mentioned, uh, we will have the scouting uh, combine before that, and you and I will do a, a pre scouting combine uh, podcast in the next couple of weeks, and we'll discuss all of that. But right now, let's let's talk a little bit of free agency to finish off this this podcast. Just talking about the players that the Bears have. Who will their current players who are going to be free agents now this isn't a very uh a star uh heavy name uh list right now i mean we're talking about alshon jeffrey which everyone knows uh, is the big name but beyond that i don't know man i i i don't see anyone who is a necessity i think there is value in re-signing brian hoyer i'm not saying brian hoyer is uh, the answer at quarterback but if you do go that young route and you need a bridge quarterback he you could do a lot worse than brian hoyer he also is an experienced Quarterback, he's he's had some success some success in the NFL, so he could mentor that young uh, quarterback as well. So I think there's value in bringing Hoyer back. Uh, beyond that, I mean the so the the, uh, the one the one name that really seems to be the, the uh, at, right at the top of the list is probably Ted Larson, just because he w- he was so valuable for the Bears as a swing guard last season. Uh, Sam Acho, Deontay Thompson really I mean uh, Cornelius Washington Marquise Wilson is a decision that the Bears are going to have to make uh, but I think with the emergence of Cam Meredith uh, the the, uh, the need to re-sign Marquise Wilson is diminished especially if he's going to want any type of money uh, other than Alshon Jeffrey uh, is there anybody that
2: that really stands out as a, as a must re-sign for the Bears no and that's kind of something you know looking at next year too that's kind of something I noticed but yeah looking at this year and it and I've I, I keep running mock-off seasons and just kind of trying to get a feel for what would make sense. Alshon Jeffrey uh, would obviously be the top priority. And I think Brian Hoyer is going to be one of those guys. If they go Garoppolo, I don't know that they'll re-sign Hoyer. But uh, I think I think if we see Hoyer re-sign, I think we'll kind of know the direction that they're going in, which will probably be him and a rookie and, and Connor Shaw, which, I mean, all they got to do is pick up the tender on Connor Shaw. I think Cornelius Washington... Is another one for me. I think, you know, I don't, he's probably never going to be a, you know, a a full on starter by any means, but I think he's somebody that if you can get at a good rate, two, two and a half million dollars a year, I think he's somebody worth keeping around. And the other name that I have on my list uh, is Eric Cush. I know. He didn't quite get as much playing time as Ted Larson, and you know maybe not quite as valuable in that regards. But I think he's a little bit younger. I think he has a little bit more of an upside. And quite frankly, when I was watching him play, I was actually pretty impressed with him. I mean, he came in as kind of the guy that was supposed to be the center, um, and, and moved around a little bit at both guard positions as well. So I think uh, I think he would be somebody that would be interesting to sign in with, I mean, he really hasn't had any playing time. This is somebody who was a who was a camp cut at the very end of last year with the Rams, and now, you know, the Bears picked him up. So I think, you know, a million or two per year, I mean, give, give him a one- or two-year deal and just see how it works out. I think that's going to be nice, especially with Heronis Grasu still on the roster. I mean, that, that'll be nice depth to have. But, yeah, I mean, overall, there's really, there's no pressing needs, which is good because, I mean, the Bears are going to have a lot of money, so you focus on one or two guys and a lot of these other guys are going to be very cheap, and then you can really go, you know, head on into the free agency, the outside free agents, and really spend a pretty good amount of money. Yeah, I agree, and that's it. it puts the Bears in an advantageous position early on in free agency
1: if they want to make that big move uh, for one of the big name free agents. If they want to, you know, uh, really go, you know, put the full court press on somebody like Eric Berry, and and, and get and get a get a, a playmaker. Who who can you know really change a team or have an immediate impact and change a team next season? I think that they're going to be in a position to do that if you if you can wrap up Alshon Jeffrey early, get that out of the way, and then make a few cuts uh, that we, that you and I have talked about. You know, particularly if you if you if you want to move on from Jay Cutler and get all that money off the books, uh, that's going to put the Bears in a you know a, a position where they're going to have almost more, probably more money than they've ever had in franchise history to spend in free agency. And you know who they spend it on is going to ultimately impact whether or not they're going to win games going forward. But if they're, but if there is the guy that they want, they're going to be able to, to maybe over over uh, uh, overbid for him a little bit, and that's probably what it's going to take to get some of these big name guys. So the, the, they'll have that opportunity. Uh, like I said, though, who the, who they go after is going to you know, be the have the biggest uh, impact. But uh, you know, there's nothing. There's not going to be anything stopping Ryan Pace. From spending big, and I, I expect him to do that. I don't, I, you know, the Bears have preached constantly about the the value of building through the draft, and I think they're going to try and do that again. Try and keep youth on the roster, but we saw last season Pace wasn't afraid to, uh, uh, you know, invest in some veterans, especially at, at positions of, of critical need. So I think we're going to see that again. I don't know who those players are going to be, but I think that uh, you know he, those first couple of days. Of free agency are going to be uh, active days for Ryan Pace and the Bears organization. Just just because you can't sit on all that money and not do anything with it. I mean, rolling rolling it over year after year doesn't do you any good. So I think that uh, you know we're we're going to see some big names come. At least one or two big names come in, and uh, potentially you know it could be Jimmy Garoppolo. It could be a quarterback. I'm not sure, but uh, it's it's going to be interesting, and it's going to you know it like it, like I said, it's an advantageous advantageous position to be in. And we'll see if it, we'll see if Pace can pull it off. You mentioned earlier about the importance of this off for Ryan Pace, and I, I, I completely agree with you. I don't think that if what he does this off doesn't uh, result in an immediate turnaround, something positive, he doesn't. They don't need to go to the playoffs or you know win a playoff game next year. But if they don't start making improvement in the win-loss column. It doesn't matter how good the rookies play and all this other stuff. If those wins don't start coming, I don't think Ryan Pace's time is going to be long in Chicago. So that uh, that, that creates such uh, so much, puts so much pressure on him uh, for this offseason to to really get things turned around and uh, really get this team on the right track. And I think that I think there are signs with some of the young guys, like I mentioned, we, we saw this year, if they can build on that, and have another good offseason, who knows? I mean, what what how I, I i'm trying to think of how to phrase this what does ryan pace need to do you know what kind of impact does he need to make in free agency do you feel
2: for you to feel comfortable going into the draft well i think a lot of it is going to depend on really their i i would say the it's something that i've noticed you know with the bears have done a pretty good job especially ryan Pace, with filling gaps and what i see is granted okay yeah there were three and 13 last year a lot of injuries but i see the gaps getting smaller so this is when things are going to start getting a little bit more difficult for him and i think really i think it was chris emma chris emma and i were talking the other day about this and i think it's something that and he said this you know it's they'll either have quarterback or let's say defensive line and uh, uh let's say secondary figured out like they'll have probably two of their three biggest needs moving into the you know and in, into the draft figured out so i mean let's say just off the top of my head let's say they sign Clayus campbell and aj Boyer, and then they go after a safety like let's just say tony jefferson right there that would tell me okay they're secondary is in a lot better shape they can you know draft their free safety and maybe draft another corner and then now they've got their defensive lineman so that would tell me that they're very likely going to go after a quarterback or you know maybe a free safety or whatever it may be so i, I guess i just want to see direction and the, the other thing that i really want to see this offseason and, and it's with one of their own players is i really want to see them extend akeem hicks i think he very well outplayed his contract last year he's going into the last year of a two-year deal right now and i think this would be a very time, very smart time for them to strike. You know, seven eight million dollars a year over the next, uh, you know, let's just say a three year extension. I think that would be a very big thing for them because, you know, we, we've seen it. The defensive line is going to be very important. I think that's something that they're going to have to address. I think whether it be outside linebacker or defensive line, they need another pass rusher there. I don't know who that'll be, um, but I think that. You need that alone, and you can't afford to have somebody like Akeem Hicks walk out the door and free agency a year from now. And I think he's really coming into his own. And I think, I, I think they made a mistake with Alshon Jeffrey. I really do. I think Ryan Pace should have been smarter, uh, you know, two seasons ago before he started having the injury issues and locked him up. I mean, they could have locked him up for $9, $10 dollars a year. And I don't want to see them make that same mistake with Akeem Hicks. I mean he's he just started coming to his own uh, when he was with New England and he came in last year. And overall I thought he had a really good season. And this is a guy that you could probably get for seven or $8 million a year right now. But if he has let's say an 8 or 10 sack a year and he really goes off, uh, you know, you're know, you looking at a 29-year-old going into free agency, 28 or 29, that is probably going to be commanding uh, 10, million, $12 million a year. So I think for Ryan Pace to be proactive, to keep the talent on the roster – I think this would be a very smart move for him, not only now but for the future.
1: Yeah, I I absolutely 100% agree with you. I I think that there's, you know, you have a, you have an interior pass rusher who led the team with seven seven and a half sacks last season. I mean, that's Justin Smith type stuff, and he's better against the run than Justin Smith ever ever was. So, uh, Akeem Hicks, I think he's only 27 years old. He's a foundational player, and like you, you mentioned, he's he's the last two years really started to you know take his game to that next level and he was borderline unstoppable at times I saw it in training camp last year I knew that uh you know from what he was showing down at A that he was going to have an impact season he definitely did that uh in in both in both phases of the game and I think that you know he he brings a a presence to the defense he brings a swagger to the defense he brings a swagger to the locker room and I agree if you can lock him up seven eight million dollars that's going to be a steal especially if he continues to produce like he did last year 100% agree you have the money to spend go go for it uh, you know lock down that young uh, foundational player and you know solidify the front seven which is what you have to do and then you can then you can take care of the secondary this off season that's going to wrap up the first 2017 off season bear report podcast thank you for being with us here for the last Forty or so minutes. Uh, if you want to follow us on Twitter, be sure to follow Aaron at Aaron Lemming NFL, and you can follow me at Bear Report. Be sure to uh, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Uh, come check us out on Facebook. Uh, Aaron and I both uh, write uh, on a regular basis for BearReport.com. Come uh, talk to us on the message boards as well. That's it, guys. Next couple weeks, we'll be talking uh, NFL draft, getting you prepared for the starting combine, and then the draft, and then we're hitting free agency, and things are going to get rolling after that. Thanks for hanging out with you guys. We'll talk soon.
0: Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants